Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again to the podcast. We've been looking at Christmas in the Old Testament. Last week, we began this study looking at the the, the Christmas narrative through the lens of what was said before, back in the Old Testament. Remember, we looked at Genesis chapter 3. We looked at Isaiah 52, 53, and how that compares to John chapter 1. And we came to the conclusion that the birth of Jesus signaled the beginning of of the fulfillment of God's promise for our salvation. It challenged us to accept the gift of salvation and revel in the promise that was fulfilled in Jesus. That is what the Christmas time is all about. This week, I want to point you to to some Old Testament passages that are inexplicably tied to the birth of Christ and the narratives that we find in the New Testament Gospels. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12. And while you're turning there, let me just point out a few cultural norms to you. You you know them already. I just want to point to them. In our country, very few people can name the names of their great-great-grandparents. Can you? I, I, I do not know my great-great-grandparents' names. I don't know anything about them. And although a, a few people now study ancestry for, for a hobby, Who our forefathers were, what they did, how they lived, it is really little to no importance to us. So we see no reason for studying our family heritage. And that is sad, but that's the norm in our country. Now, in Israel, geologies, uh, they're, they're a big deal to the Israelites, to the Jews. They have records going back for millennia. Genealogical studies are very important to to Bible researchers because they they chronicle the moves of God inside those lineages of families. This is important for a few reasons. Now listen, this is how we we do historical dating. This is how we learn historical truth and prophetic accountability. Those all all of those studies benefit from biblical genealogies. Now we're going to look at the actual genealogy listed in Matthew chapter 1, the day after Christmas. It's going to be a very interesting study and I don't want you to miss that. But today, I hope that we all come to the conclusion after tracing uh, tracing a covenant God made with Abraham through, through the Old Testament into the New Testament that God is indeed truthful, that he can be depended on with confidence. Now, I want to tell you up front where we're headed today. I'm just going to just give you a little spoiler here. The main point of of this teaching today is that the covenant of God that he made with Abraham some 4,000 years ago, it ran down through the line of David. It was reiterated by Old Testament prophecy. Then it was fulfilled by Christ and greatly affects us today. So at the end of this teaching, we're going to see that if we connect the dots, it should cause us to to commemorate Christ and count on God to tell us the truth. So let's start with Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, we learn about this covenant that God made with Abraham. This is what it says. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, Abram would later become Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse four, so Abram went. So Abram obeyed him. He entered into a covenant with God. Now, covenants can be uh, one, one of two types. It can be a conditional covenant or an unconditional covenant. A conditional covenant is a promise based on an if-then statement. For example, a parent may say to a child, if you clean up your room, then I will take you to the mall. That's an un, that's a, a, a conditional covenant. An unconditional covenant is a promise that that's made that will be kept regardless of the actions of the other person. Your spouse may say to you, I'm going to get your oil changed tomorrow in your car. There's nothing you need to do for that. There's nothing you can do to earn that. It's just a promise that your spouse made. So it's an unconditional covenant. Now, this covenant is very peculiar. The covenant he made with Abraham really is a little bit of both. It was conditional because Abram needed to move out of his father's house, move from his father's land to a place that God would show him. And yet it was it was unconditional too, because it would be realized way after Abraham's life had ended, and many others could have possibly affected that outcome. So it was a little bit of both. Now, what did God promise in this covenant? Well, he promised Abraham's offspring. He promised they would be become a great nation. We're told in Genesis 22, like the sands of the sea or the stars of the sky, so would the count of his offspring eventually be. So obviously, this would not occur in Abraham's life. But he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. God would make him into a great nation. Secondly, God vowed to make Abraham's name a great name. His reputation would be forever great among the Israelites, and among all the Gentiles of the world too. He would he would eventually amass a great fortune. He would live an important life socially. He would be an influential spiritual leader in his day. And thirdly, God promised Abraham a great blessing. Not only would God bless Abraham, but God promised to bless anyone who would bless Abraham. In addition to that, this is a true messianic prophecy. God promised to bless all of the nations of the world through Abraham. And this, of course, was ultimately realized in the salvation that Jesus had to offer. So this is the covenant with God. He's going to turn Abraham's offspring into a great nation, give them a great name, and give them a great blessing. Now turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 7, unless, of course, you're, you're driving in, the, in, the, in your car. Don't do that. Just, just listen. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 16. Now, I want us to now see how this covenant carried on through the line of David. It's what it says. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from belonging to the sheep, that you should be prince over my, over, peop, over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went and have cut off all of your enemies from before you. I will make for you, listen, I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. 
and I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so they will dwell in their own place. Listen, dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of the kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. What a great set of promises. Here we see a great lineage. God would make David's name great, just like the great ones of the earth, like Abraham. And David's offspring would do great things for God's glory, namely build uh, build a temple. In verse 12, his immediate offspring, or maybe your translation says seed, would build this temple and establish a great nation. And the offspring mentioned in verse 13 obviously is pointing to a future king since You know, David's immediate offspring died and the kingdom was destroyed. So that seed is the one who no doubt is the fulfillment of the promise that we talked about last week would crush the head of the serpent. So there's a there's a great promise of lineage here, but there's a great commitment seen in this passage too. verse 14 and 15 tells us that although David's son would sin, God would discipline him and never abandon him like he did Saul. See, God would indeed love Solomon like a son. And his offspring in the future was his son, and he loved him too. So there was a great commitment here. There's also a great reminder of of the original covenant that God made with Abraham in this passage. In verse 9, there's a promise of a great name. In in verse 10, there's another promise that will become a great nation to be blessed to dwell in their own land. This is the same covenant that God gave to Abraham. And it should be because it is unconditional. After Abraham died, his offspring, uh, you know, they went on, his lineage went on, and it came to David. And the same promise that he gave to Abraham must flow through David. And I'm going to tell you it does. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, I want you to hear this covenant reiterated by prophecy. This is what it says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of his peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this, listen, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There's a, there's a mention of a, of a great son here. A a great son. They're going to call his name Wonderful Counselor. I mean, his wisdom, his advice will be used to help people for generations 
from, from now on. It will be spot on every time. He will be called Mighty God because he will have the power and he will show that power, the power of God to heal the sick and raise the dead and defeat the devil. He will also be called Everlasting Father because he will be an eternal father to all of his people. And he will care like them, like care for them like a, like a loving father. Finally, he will be called the Prince of Peace because his government will, it's going to be a peaceful government. We're told that in Revelation. Speaking of his government, it says here, there will be a great government. It will rest upon his shoulder. In other words, the full weight of the success and peace of society will rest on him. And according to what we read in verse 7, he will rule over David's throne. Notice there's another great reminder of the covenant God made with Abraham in this passage. There will be one with the greatest name that comes from David, who came from Abraham. Furthermore, he will establish a kingdom that will be set forever. And we will see a great nation. We will see a great name. We will receive a great blessing in eternity. So again, in this passage, we see exactly what God told Abraham. Now turn to the New Testament passage of Luke chapter 1. Here is the, the announcement of Christ, the, the narrative that we find and we read traditionally this time of year. And I want you to see how the covenant is fulfilled by Christ in this passage. Look at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will be no end. Did you, did you hear the same ribbon of truth that's been all through scriptures? Did you hear the great message in this passage? He said, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary was favored. If you're a Christian, there's no commitment. There's, I mean, compliment. There's no greater compliment to your reputation than someone to say the Lord is with you. We would like that all said of us. There goes a good person. He really has the Lord's spirit with him. There's a, there's a great message in this passage that you are favored. There's a great comfort giving in this passage. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have favor with God. Don't be afraid. I want to share that same message with, with people who I listen to who are despondent. Don't be afraid. God favors you. He's pro you. If you listen to my sermon podcast, you always hear me say at the end, be blessed and remember God is pro you. What a great comforting message we hear in this passage. And God gives us another great reminder of the covenant that he made with Abraham. Jesus will be given a great name, the Son of the Most High. He will be seated on the throne of David. He will reign forever. It's the exact same covenant. In fact, it's the fulfillment of that covenant. I need to show you one more thing. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. This same truth just ribbons right through the New Testament as well. 
Let's see how this covenant has affected us. In Galatians 3, 7, it says, Know then that is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Can you see how this affects us? It's the fulfillment of the covenant and is found in Christ. Notice there's a great adoption here. You will be the children of Abraham. Now that's why we can sing that song. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons. And we, you know, we turn around and we get all dizzy and we fall down at the end. That's why we can sing that. But that, of course, is symbolic. We don't become Abraham's son. We become sons of the promise of God. We become sons of God. That's why John mentions in John chapter 1 that everyone who believes in the word that became flesh, he gave the right to become what? The children of God. There's a great adoption in this covenant. There's also a great inclusion in this passage. No longer is God making this covenant only with the Israelites. He's making a promise with non-Jews as well. What does he say? All the nations will be blessed. All of them. And before the end, indeed, all of the nations will have heard the gospel of Christ. Can, can you see a great reminder of the covenant in this passage? You'll be adopted and given a new name. You'll become a part of his, of his eternal kingdom. You will live a blessed life from in there from now on. Now consider all of these passages together and you get the point of today. The covenant that God, listen, the covenant that God made with Abraham ran through the line of David. It was reiterated by the Old Testament prophecy and fulfilled by Christ and it has affected us today. How has it affected us? Well, one, it compels us to connect the dots. I mean, anyone who sees this chain of historical events in this message, they want to know how all these things connect. I mean, really, inquisitive minds want to know. And I love seeing how things build on one another and affect one another through time. This is why I like uh, personality inventories. You ever taken one of those? When you understand someone's personality, you understand why they do things the way they do them. It's a great tool, especially for those who are working or living closely together. Likewise, these stories found in scriptures, when examined closely, they can show us why Christ came, why he lived, why he died like he did. Figure out how they connect and understand your spiritual worldview a whole lot better. Be very clear. The second thing this truth compels us to do is commemorate Christ. Knowing he was the plan from the beginning causes us to celebrate the advent. We remember, listen, when, when we commemorate, we remember, celebrate, we observe, we honor this fulfillment of the covenant, of the one of, of, of the one of the earliest covenants that God made. And to know that it was a master plan from the beginning, that's crazy. That's mind-blowing. This is why we celebrate the Savior. By the way, we don't celebrate the season. We don't celebrate a season at all. I could tell you right now, this season could change instantly. If the stock market failed, the economy crashed today, people would not be celebrating like they normally do. The season would be over. You see, seasons come and gone, come and go, but, but the Savior, the Savior is going to reign forever. So we Christians celebrate the Savior, not the season. 
So we commemorate Christ this time of year, especially. Finally, this, this truth, this ribbon of truth that flows at, at, through the scriptures compels us to count on God. I want you to know you can count on God. When he says he's going to do something, he will do it. 10,000 plus years ago, he made a promise to Abraham. I mean to Adam and Eve and the serpent. 4,000 years ago, he made a covenant with Abraham. (coughs) Excuse me. 3,000 years ago, he made a promise to David. 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah reiterated that covenant. And 2,000 years ago, God kept his word and sent the Messiah. And 36 years ago, God fulfilled his promise in me. He adopted me into his family. He blessed me with eternal life. In Christ, he he forgave my sins. And he said that I would be with him forever. Can I count on him? Look at his track record. You bet I can. How about you? Do you count on him? Have you seen clearly today that this covenant that he made with Abraham that was seen in David's life, that was reiterated by the prophets, was realized in Christ and has and can be fulfilled in you? Has that caused you to see that you can count on God? You can count on him. So when he says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, saved from their sins, saved from hell, saved from destruction, you can believe it. In fact, believing And confessing is all it takes to be saved. What does the Bible say? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And whosoever does that will be saved. Can you count on him today? You better believe it. He will save you if you ask him to. If you simply confess your sins to him, ask him to forgive your sins, promise to live for his glory, If you do those things, then you will enter into a covenant with God in which he will save you for eternity. Will you do that today? Will you pray this prayer with me? Dear God, I know that I've done things that I shouldn't have, and you call them sin. I admit I'm a sinner. And I'm thankful that you sent your son to live a perfect life And to die anyway, because I understand that sin always brings about death. And I understand that he didn't sin, but he still died. So that means that he can take my punishment. I'm asking for that to happen. Would you save me and include me in your eternal kingdom? I'll, I'll live for your glory if you'll just save me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you have a new relationship with Christ, you are His. You have the same promise. You've been given a new name, and that's the name Christian. And it is a great name because you're named after Christ Himself. You are delivered and set up as a citizen of His His kingdom, and that will be forever. And you will be blessed by the Lord every single day, every single day of eternity. That same covenant that he gave to Abram has now been realized in your life. Can't you get excited about that and celebrate, celebrate the Savior now? Not just the season, but the Savior. 
Let me pray and we'll be over. We'll be done with this today. God, I thank you for this word and I thank you that you've caused us to to see and connect the dots of how truthful you've been. And, and that gives us great, great assurance that you are going to carry on with your salvation of us. Thank you, Father, for this teaching. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll come back next week. We'll have another teaching on the Old Testament and how it uh, interacts with the the gospel narratives of the birth of Christ. It's going to be a great study. Don't miss it. But until then, be blessed. Have a a great week. And remember, God is pro you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.